welcome to another episode of Ryan's Method Passive Income Podcast. Here's your host, Ryan Hogue. Hey guys, thanks for joining me today. I'm here with Jesse. Jesse is a big shot. He is an eight-figure print-on-demand seller, so I'm extremely excited to have him as a guest on the channel today. Jesse, thanks for taking time out of your schedule to be here. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Ryan. Dude, I cannot wait to learn more about your story because you have definitely got me beat when it comes to sales. Um, <laughs> when did you get started with Print On Demand? How'd you get started? What led you to POD? Like, I want to know everything. Yeah, yeah. So I'll take you to the the roots of, of where it all started. So back at the end of 2016 is when I really started my entrepreneurial journey. Um, so at this time, I was real young. I was 19 years old. Um, and I had been dabbling kind of in the online space for a bit now, trying to figure out things to do that would, you know, make me money online, pretty much is what I was looking to make happen. And uh, during that time frame, I had just found out that um, I had my wife was pregnant and my first uh, daughter on the way. I just had found this out. So it was really giving me some pressure to make it happen. So I'd failed a couple of different business ventures, but I was really just dabbling in things at that point. But now it was kind of game time. So this is October of 2016. Um, I started actually selling jewelry on Etsy because there's a lot of things happening. Uh, Amazon was super popular on YouTube. I saw some things about Etsy and was just really like enveloped in that space entirely. So I uh, started making some jewelry, uh, had no idea what that guy was doing. My, my photos looked horrible. I was just getting items up and uh, was able to just do enough though over this, those first couple of months to have a decent little Q4 right out, out of the get. So I, I think we ran about 50 sales a day for the peak two weeks, which for me was like, mind-boggling during that time frame um and i was able to actually have my wife quit her job we were both working minimum wage jobs at the time making 9.47 an hour i was like oh you can quit your job we're gonna go all in we're gonna make this happen i was so excited and then january rolls around and we dropped down to one to two sales a day um so uh it was a quick wake-up call early on we had you know a little bit of success for q4 and then it was like crickets happening i'm like what am i doing i have no idea what i'm doing the fear came in and I was pretty much just trial and erring my way forward uh, from that point on. So throughout 2017, I had taken the leap, you know, soon after I had her, her quit her job. And uh, it was a battle to just figure out what was going to work. So I, I just always refer to this as the trial and error process I went through of just looking at sellers around me, seeing that there's this, this success in the space. Because I was seeing sellers around me at the time that were doing 15 sales a day, 50 sales a day. 100 sales a day. And it was literally blowing my mind, the potential sitting on Etsy alone. So I knew it was possible. And I, the biggest thing was just seeing it and knowing, hey, it's, it's so close in front of me. I can literally look at my screen right now and I can see this item that's doing this well. And so that just fired me up and really spurred on uh, my thought process for how can I really scale this thing out? And that's where um, after you know 2017 is still selling jewelry into 2018, that's where I really switched into the print product space because I really saw that the main leverage point being the graphic design aspect to it, where I could sell products that I didn't have to bring them in house, take photos of them, uh, have all this inventory on hand and, and do all the, the messy parts of being a business owner with overhead. And I could just literally, if I wanted to print it myself, I could buy a case of mugs and make that into 500 listings. Or if I wanted to outsource my production through a different company, I could absolutely do that as well and not have the overhead. So that was extremely appealing to me um, and the ability to scale with graphics. And that's when my journey completely transitioned because I was able to now learn how to scale properly and uh, fast forward to now, so I'm going to skip some of the meaty, juicy details for a second, but fast forward to now, I've sold over $10 million worth of products on Etsy and Amazon. 
Uh, on Etsy, if you took all four of my shops, total sales, I've sold over 420,000 items. I'd actually be ranked number 75 in the world. So I've definitely developed a process over time that's allowed me to drive success uh, predominantly with print products. And it's it's been uh, a huge catapult in my entrepreneurial journey, to be honest. Dude, that's awesome. And the first thing that when you were telling your story that uh, I thought of was, man, I started in late 2016 too, when I started really taking it seriously, even though I didn't quit my day job until 2020, but I was a web developer. So I was at a computer all day anyways. It was fine. Yeah. Like I was doing, you know, obviously my own work when I was there, but, uh, didn't, did everything seem oversaturated in 2016? You know, what's funny is, is it did, it did to me. And I think it's just cause I was so isolated on seeing the sellers selling at that time frame, where all I could see was what there was. And there, I mean, there's a lot always. So I think the, the whole saturation portion, it's, it's kind of always been there. Yes. I mean, if you go back to 2016, if I had the knowledge I do now and we go back to 2016, oh my gosh, I would have dominated even more. However, with that being said, it's really funny because I still saw a lot of sellers at that time. There was a lot of people selling the same things and it was already uh, a quote unquote saturated market. I love the term saturation so much because uh, I've seen sellers in 2022, 2021, all the time frame, like really Every recently year. driving insane results still as brand new sellers. So uh, I love the saturation uh, issue, but not issue the saturation uh, topic that gets thrown around a lot with Etsy and Amazon. Yeah, it never goes away. It never goes away. But then there's always people that, you know, overcome. It doesn't sound like you struggle with imposter syndrome. I wanted to, I want you to resume. I don't want to interrupt your story, but I wanted to ask you too, since I know your buddies with Steven, he introduced us. Yes. Uh, what is it with like Steven was bagging groceries and you were working minimum wage? Like did that, uh, is that like what gave you the motivation to like really take this seriously? And I guess like, I guess on a relative basis, right? If you're comparing that versus almost any level of success on Etsy, it maybe made it easier to transition. Yeah, I mean, I would say it made it easier for me because I didn't have a huge life built out already when I first started. So I did. That was my upper hand from from the start was I didn't have a ton of expenses. I, I could pour all my time into one direction. Any extra time I had, I didn't have any kids until that pressure came of, hey, you got your first daughter on the way. Now I have two daughters and a son on the way now. So life's just different. So back then, yeah, it was it was a little bit different for me. And making 947 an hour was something I knew I couldn't do forever. <laughs> and so it was a huge motivator. And I think the biggest thing, the drive I have is I knew there was so much more out there that could be possible for myself and, and for my family that if I didn't make the switch then, then it was probably never going to happen. So that was a main thing I told my wife right at, right, we literally, we got married out of high school. So we're the high school sweetheart story. Um, but was, I can either, I told her this, I can either grow up now or I can grow up when I'm 25 or 26 or 27. And I want to choose to grow up now. And so I made that decision early on and I didn't look back. And I'm forever grateful that I made that decision because during the years I missed partying and, and doing all the things that everyone does in their, their early 20s, I didn't really do. Um, and I was focused on building my business at that time. Um, so I'm glad I had that perspective coming into it. Yeah, I mean, everybody's journey is different, man. For the record, it's funny you said that because like, I literally, I always say like transparently, like I started taking life seriously at age 27. Yeah. Like I didn't fail prior to that. Like I just didn't try. <laughs> so it is what it is. But yeah, I mean, yeah. I would love to hear more about like what came next when you transitioned to print, you saw that was a big opportunity. That was right around the time that like Etsy print on demand, I feel like, like became a thing. Did they officially say print on demand is okay now? I think something like that happened around then. Yeah, I think right around that time frame was was when it, the transition was happening. So at that time, I was more focused on doing the print on demand model with my own fulfillment. So I was fulfilling like coffee mugs at that time. That was my first product type that actually really hit a home run for me. So I was buying, you know, blank coffee mugs and actually printing them myself. 
um, and then really got opened up to the opportunity of outsourcing that. Um, but yeah, dur during that time frame, uh, could, could you ask that question one more time? Sorry, I, I lost my train of thought there. Oh, just kind of like the, like, how did you transition from, like you went from jewelry and you kind of touched on yeah. how you were doing jewelry. Cause today people might think you were doing like print on demand jewelry. It didn't sound like it. And yeah, yeah. where did you go from there? Yeah. Yeah. So basically as, as I started with, with coffee mugs and, and, and figuring out that space, what I found was the best leverage point I could do. Uh, in the print-on-demand space was to focus and double down on one product type at a time. And this is something that a lot of people don't do when they start. They get what I call shiny object syndrome. They're kind of all over the place. They sell hoodies and t-shirts and coffee mugs and canvases and phone cases because they have access to everything for no cost. You can just access it. So like, why not? It seems like an easy thing to do. But what I found and what I'm glad I, I did find was, was when I doubled down in one area and I really studied one product type, I could actually drive a ton of success. And so every single product type I have launched to date in the print product space has all been able to achieve six figures or more on an annual basis with every single product type. So whether that is with t-shirts or coffee mugs, ornaments, tumblers, whatever it may be that I've sold, I found that when I double down and focus on what is actually in demand in this specific product categories, what I refer to as or product type, and how can I be equipped to, to leverage what's already out there, but create something new within the bounds of what already works. And so I got really good at that and continue to scale one product type to the next product type to the next product type, because what clicked for me was that the name of the game that I'm really playing is a game of search volume. And when you can understand the name of the game is search volume, you understand that, okay, you need to be able to leverage the search volume. And how do you do that? You do that through isolating your time on one product type at a time and learning how to add value for that audience, for that product type, not niching down, but really focusing in on, on what would be, you know, the most worth your time for an individual product in the POD space. And so because that one time over with mugs, I was like, I can do this for t-shirts. I can do this for this product type and this product type and this product type, but I didn't move on to one until I'd fully scaled out that first product type to start with. And that was a piece that I was able to replicate over and over and over again and how I've been able to, to date, to drive over 10 million in sales. I love that tip too. Cause it's something that we do see pretty common. I do like weekly, like Etsy shop reviews. And um, it's definitely, yeah. like you said, tempting to <laughs> like, feel like oh, I'm just going to sell every product type. And uh, yeah, it, it's, you, you, you typically see a lot of overlap there with like people that do that don't make pristine listings yes. and you're competing with people who do, you know, simply exactly. put. And, yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, it's a level playing field, but you have to play ball with who your competition is. Yes. Um, so any, I mean, I guess the average person watching right mm -hmm. now, uh, I think even if people aren't beginners, I think a lot of people feel like beginners it's common. I mean, yeah. you do until you don't, I guess. Yes. Like yes. what kind of advice can you give to them? I know you do do some coaching as well. Like mm -hmm. based on what you see, like what, what can you do to uplift people out of uh, that, that, that stage, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So when you first start out, the, the biggest thing is you have the fear because you just don't know what to do. So you're like, do I do this? Do I do this strategy? Do I do this method? Uh, should I focus niche down? Should I go with a big wide open store? What should I do? And the biggest thing that my best piece of advice for anyone just getting started is to understand, like I said, the name of the game is search volume when you're selling on a platform. The reason why you give Etsy or Amazon a percentage of your own business and a percentage of your sales uh, when, when every time you sell an item is because they're providing you with millions of customers to give you at-bats to swing at and see if you can hit some and actually you know, make some money online. So the biggest thing is if when you understand that it's search volume, how do you leverage it? And the way that you leverage it, at least in my opinion, 
is isolating your time on individual product types. In the POD space, that would be like, for example, I would go all in on t-shirts or I would go all in on mugs or I'd go all in on ornaments, tumblers, whatever it may be, but you got to go all in. And what I mean by that is when you go all in on one, you need to isolate which products are actually in demand in that product type. So if I can isolate which products are in demand, that's going to answer the first piece of the puzzle. Oh my gosh, I got all this demand in front of me that I can leverage. Cool. But once you've identified that, the second layer is how are you as, as a seller going to then add value for each of those products that are actually in demand for this product type? Because you're on the right track. You're focusing your time and attention correctly, but how do you actually add value? And that really comes down to the manual process of market research inside of that product type. So you need to be analyzing these best sellers. This is the way I've been able to drive all the sales I have is I've analyzed and extracted out what's working from a design aspect, what's working with the photos they're using, with the, the styles and themes and buyer language they're using, what top variations are they displaying, what is it that they're doing with their pricing structure and any offer tactics that they're doing. All of this is done just by focusing all of my time on the products that are selling most for that given product type that I'm really focusing my time and attention on. And so there's there's tools out there like Everbee and like Allura that you can utilize to, to basically fast track your, your market research for you and that data collection process and really just see what products are actually in demand in a relatively quick period of time. It can take you, you know, a day and you can really find the products that are in the most demand. But then, like I said, what you do with those products matters the most. So if you do use a tool like Allura or Everbee and you isolate all that information, you can actually then just study that list. And that's that's the beauty of it. A lot of people, it kind of it's so right in front of you, you miss it sometimes. But if you download a list of highly in-demand products, all you should be doing with your time is studying every single listing on that list because you're isolating probably most likely hundreds of thousands of sales on the top 500 products that made it on that list. And if you can isolate your time and attention there, you can learn what those value adds are going to be for those customers across that entire product type. And when you really know that, now you're equipped to design. Now you're equipped to build out your photo templates. Now you're equipped to keyword properly. You're equipped with the right understanding to dominate the category. Uh, and it's, it's, none of it is copying ever. If you try to copy, anyone who's trying to copy other sellers finds out quickly, it doesn't work. Uh, so the biggest thing is the difference between copying and equipping yourself. So if you can equip yourself, now you can create something new within the balance of what's already working. And that's where you'll see the success in the POD space. That's really interesting, man. I, you're the first person I've heard like really harp on the importance of understanding the product, like the product itself without worrying about like, you know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, just focus on niche research and sell a shirt. You're saying, well, zoom out and maybe, you know, yeah. if it's going to be shirts, sure. But if it's, it could be something else, become an expert in that field. And honestly, like the way you're talking about approaching this, Number one, what, what's different is I think the scope that you're seeing it from is that I want to hit like the high end of what's possible. Like I'm yes. not just going in here to make one sale a day or five sales a day. You know, you want it, you want as much as you can get of that pie. And that's a great yeah. perspective. And that's all, like, honestly, in business, I think people who have the higher aspirations often are rewarded for that. And people who set their sights shorter, you know what I mean? Maybe are happy with one or one, two, three, four, five sales a day, but I, I do appreciate yeah. you sharing your perspective there. Um, and yeah. I was going to ask, like, are you, um, like, do you shy away from, I mean, you already said you sell shirts, but like, do you find it more attractive to sell a, a tumbler, I guess, than a shirt? Because uh, there is going to be less demand there, but maybe it's overlooked by most sellers as a result. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give you a multiple part answer here. Cause I I'm, I'm the last guy to be concerned about saturation. But I do know on the backside of that, that there is a lot of value in unsaturated product types. So 
With that being said, I've seen sellers jump into the print-on-demand space in the most saturated categories at the end of 2022 and still run almost a $200,000 Q4. I've, I've seen it happen. So with that being said, should you be afraid of saturation? No. But with that, is it easier to drive success with product types that are more untapped that aren't necessarily available with, you know, Printify or Printful or or maybe you can get, you know, really good cost fulfillment, whatever it may be. If you can find those product types that are a little less uh, available, you can more easily using the same strategies and systems to drive success. You can a little bit more easily gain traction early on and really get that amplified effect in those more untapped product types. And now I'm be I bet everybody's wondering, like, <laughs> what's your secret then? If it's not printified, not printful, um, how are you like jumping in uh, and really carving yeah. out a piece of this pie for yourself? Are you self-fulfilling or do you have like some secret production partner that you want to uh, plug? Yeah, yeah. So I actually in uh, 2023 is when we launched. So just this year, we've been building this out for a bit now, but I, I launched a fulfillment company called Inner Circle Prints. Uh, with Inner Circle Prints, it actually does exactly what I'm talking about because I saw this opportunity basically building over the past handful of years, which is you may see people dominating on Printify and Printful with t-shirts and coffee mugs and a few other, you know, main apparel categories. But like, if you try to branch outside of those main ones, you'll find that either the fulfillment costs are way too high from what they have to offer, or you can't even find fulfillment for certain categories. So Inner Circle Prints is my own fulfillment company that I've made that actually isolates these highly... Uh, in-demand product types, uh, but we're able to fulfill at a cost that makes sense for you to price your products effectively to actually sell at scale. Um, so Inner Circle Prints is, is again, is the way to go if you're looking for these untapped product types. I don't know anyone else out there in the space who's doing it right now. Um, maybe more people will jump into it, but I definitely uh, know we got something special uh, over here. And I mean, hey, who's going to argue with that when you've got the, the sales to back it up? So I'm excited <laughs> to learn more about that. You mentioned to me uh, off camera that you put a training together that's yeah. completely free. And uh, do you have one? Do you want to elaborate on that? I'll definitely link to it in the description. Yeah, absolutely. So I have uh, an hour long free training. It's basically all focused SE print on demand, whether you're, you're using inner circle or printify Printful, custom cat or any other production partner out there. Uh, basically, the training is going to teach you the basis to actually driving su success in the POD space using the exact same system I do. Uh, so it's called uh, it's it, it's how to become a top 1% POD seller. It's a free train. I like to make sure any free materials I put out there are actually going to add value. I don't want you to go waste your time for an hour looking at a, a free training that's not really valuable because it's free. I want to make sure it's valuable. I actually had people tell me that it's more valuable than a lot of the paid trainings they've done. So definitely suggest if you're just getting started out or if you're uh, not really sure the direction you should go, or maybe you've been selling for some time uh, and you want to drive better results, definitely go check out that free training. It'll add some really good value for you. Awesome. So I'm happy to link that in the description. And um, man, like I want to ask you a bunch more questions, but I was thinking like, if you're up for it, maybe we do a part two in the future. Cause I know you're successful on Amazon as well. And I've got questions about like, you know, how you leverage Etsy ads, but yeah. uh, like, again, I want to be respectful of your time as well. So, I mean, if you're up, up for it, what do you think? Uh, part two in the future? Yeah, let's do it. I'm always up for part two. Absolutely. Let's do it. Yeah, that would be awesome. Guys, if you want me to bring Jesse back, let me know in the comments. I'd love to hear from you. If you have questions for him, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I can't commit his time to answering them, but I'll try to answer them for you. And then if I need to, I can pass it along to Jesse and see what he says. But check out the Absolutely. training. Maybe you'll find the answer there. Uh, Jesse, anything else you want to add before we wrap up? Uh, no, that's really, really it for today. Hopefully I was able to add some good value for all of your audience and I'm excited for part two. Yeah, man. Jesse's super legit when it comes to e-commerce. Uh, you're killing it with the production as well. Like I, I haven't used it yet, but it sounds like you're killing it based on your own results. So I'm excited to learn more about that. Inner Circle Prints, guys, check it out. Uh, the training's at the top of the description. That'll also kind of feed into that, right? 
Yep, absolutely. It definitely does. Awesome. Well, thank you, Jesse. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate it. 